Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Hold that survey uh, that we talked about again in your hands. I just want to keep drawing your attention to it because we're going to reference it at the end of the service again today. It's always a special day, and the Easter survey is a highlight of that. It really does help us make good decisions at church, and and it helps me uh, just to know that, that, you know, one of the jobs I have as your pastor is a shepherd. As a matter of fact, it's the most translated word as pastor is a shepherd, and I have the responsibility of asking God, you know, what hillsides to feed you on as we uh, walk through God's word together, and the Easter survey helps me do that. Uh, and make sure that we're answering the questions that you uh, have together as a church family. And if you're here for the first time, I'd love, love, love to meet you. Brandon and I will meet you in the lobby after service today. And listen, those many donuts, I'm asking you for a personal favor. If you don't eat them, I will. That's not funny. That's a fact. And I need your help. Some of you scrawny little people need to eat today, okay? If you've been off carbs, the resurrection says you can be free indeed, everybody. You can be free today in Jesus' name. So I hope that, uh, I hope that uh, you'll take advantage of that. Make sure you take pictures with your family and your friends today as well. I'm starting a brand new series today called All Eyes on Jesus. All Eyes on Jesus today. It's going to be a great series. I know we're going to go through the next couple of Uh, Sundays together. It may take us a couple of months to get through that together, but I'm super excited about teaching this series about the life of Christ, and uh, it's going to be a great series today. Why don't you do this? Why don't you bow your heads? We're going to ask God to help us one more time. We're going to pray together and believe the Lord. Father, thank you today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that we can turn to you in our deepest hour. Thank you that nothing's too hard for God. Nothing's impossible with you today. So, Father, I'm asking you to move in the room. I'm asking you as we turn our eyes on Jesus today that, God, you'd open our hearts as we receive the word. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody shout amen. 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 There is a slight medical emergency on the front row. Don't be alarmed. We have a trained team. They just move into action. Everything's going to be just fine. It's not the donuts, everybody. That's what I want you to know is it's not the donuts. If you have your Bibles, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, it will be our theme verse for this particular series. And I want to draw your attention there really quick. If you don't have a Bible, you can look on the screen. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, let us run with perseverance. Another translation says patience, the race that's marked out for us. And everybody say fixing our eyes. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. I don't know about you, but honestly, there's so much distraction in my life. I think it'd be good for a couple of weeks to just turn my eyes on Jesus, everybody. It'd be good that when you wake up in the morning to turn your eyes on Jesus, everybody. It'd be good that when you go to work, you turn your eyes on Jesus, everybody. It'd be good that every day of our life, I wake up. And Jesus is what I'm thinking about. Jesus is what my heart is set on. Jesus is the affection of my life. Say amen to that. So we're going to do that for the next couple of weeks. As a matter of fact, I want to challenge you. We're going to read God's word together. 
there are 21 days left in uh, the month of April, and I want to help you uh, get in God's Word. Now, I'm not going to teach exclusively out of the Gospel of John, but I'm going to ask our whole church family, would you, I'm going to challenge you, would you read the whole Gospel of John with us? There's 21 chapters. You can read a chapter a day. Uh, starting today all the way through April the 30th, read one chapter in the Gospel of John. We'll read the whole book together. And it just gives you some life of Christ. Uh, that's if, if you didn't happen to go to a school in the SEC, if you went to the University of Texas, that's chapters 1 through 7 this week, and then it keeps going like that. I'm just trying to help you. Anyway, uh, that, that'll help you along the way, and then we'll, uh, we'll pick up next week with chapter 8. But I'd love to have you on board with that. And... And this month, I want to challenge you to download an app and, and watch The Chosen with us. Have you seen? Has anybody seen The Chosen? On the front row, a few people have seen The Chosen. If you haven't, I'd love for you to join us. Download that. It's a free app. You can watch that uh, anytime that you, uh, that you want to. You can download that to any device that you have, and you can watch The Chosen along with us. And here's what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks. I'm going to take that series and I'm going to teach you using that video series on the life of Christ. Now, if you're, you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't know, is it cheesy? Is it too much? I, it, I'm telling you, I think this is probably the best depiction of the life of Christ I have ever seen uh, put to film. I think it's very helpful and it's helped our family. Honestly, it's helped our family have some good conversation. Our, our children love it. I'd love for you to watch it along with us. Uh, I won't obviously teach through the whole series. There's three seasons, but uh, I will use it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to use it today. I want to bring you an unconventional Easter message today, and I want to wrap it around this story from The Chosen. I'll give you a little bit of backstory, and then we'll watch the depiction of John, the fourth chapter. Jesus is taking a detour in his ministry. He has been walking in Judea. He's been healing the sick, opening up blinded eyes, raising the dead. He's been ministering and preaching. And, and he says, I have to go somewhere that I haven't gone. And he takes this unexpected detour to a place called Samaria. Now, there's this long-standing racial tension in Samaria between the Jews and the Samaritans. Most Jews would avoid even going through there. As a matter of fact, if they had to get to northern Israel, they'd walk around Samaria to be able to go just so they didn't have to take time to walk through this and, and deal with all of that. It's just, there's just tons of tension that are, that's happening in this area called Samaria. And Jesus, listen, Jesus doesn't take a, take a detour around. He actually takes a detour and says, I got to go there. As a matter of fact, I have to go there because I have a special appointment. I think he has a divine appointment to meet a woman there. He meets her at a water well. There's a community well. And, and everybody, all the women would go to the community well. Usually, listen, in the morning, they would go to the well. It was cool. It was easier. They would go to the well and get water for their whole family in the morning. But Jesus meets a woman who's there in the middle of the day. She's there alone. No one's with her. She goes when nobody can see her. She has a troubled past. She honestly feels like nobody sees her anyway and... Nobody can do anything for her, not even God. She's far from perfect. Listen, this woman's a mess. John, the fourth chapter, kind of tells us about it. Here's what I want you to do when you watch this clip. I want you to see what God thinks about her. And then I want you to ask this question. If you could sit down with her today, what would she say to you? 
Take a look at the screen. Would you give me a drink? Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out noon in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to throw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah, exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit, and the time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. 
It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes, it explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. <sighs> and you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise? I promise. Everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ. <laughs> hey, wait! You're what here? You forgot your um. I love this story. I love the depiction of this story. You can find it in your Bible when you read this week in John, the fourth chapter. And um, Jesus has this special appointment with her. He goes to Samaria just to meet her. My hope and prayer is in the next half hour or so, you realize that he has made an appointment to meet you. If you're taking notes in church today, I hope that you are. Three things I think should say to you on an Easter Sunday. If you sat down with her and said, tell us who Jesus is, tell us what he's like, tell us what he's done. The first thing I think she would say is, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you right where you are, just like you are. 
I was studying for this message for several weeks, and I came across a phrase called chronic invisibility. It's a psychological phrase in our culture that because of my life or my pain or my past or what I'm going through or what culture says about me, maybe you feel unseen or unlovable or unable to participate in normal life. Maybe you even come to a church like this and a crowd like this, and there's people everywhere and you're seen by everyone, but you still feel invisible. As a matter of fact, research and studies find that social rejection activates the same regions of the brain as physical pain. In other words, feeling unseen and isolated and invisible is the same pain in your brain as getting kicked in the shin or scraping your knee. Sometimes you wear it in your body. Sometimes you feel it in depression and anger and stress and rage and there's this physical reaction that you have and maybe you're in church today I can almost see it around the room that your eyes get lower you curve your upper body down you tilt your head downward and cross your arms along your chest I'm here but I don't know if anybody sees me and this woman goes to the well hoping not to be seen She goes in the middle of the day thinking nobody, I don't have to deal with anybody, I don't have to see anybody. And Jesus sees her there. Two things he does. Jesus met her where she was. Write that in your notes. Jesus met her where she was. Jesus didn't say, hey, you come meet me. Jesus said, I'll go out of my way to meet you. Number two, Jesus started the conversation with her. Jesus didn't wait for her to get all the words right, say the right thing, do the right ritual, make sure that she got all of the right posture. Jesus started the conversation. Sometimes we can think in our life, if we're good enough, God will bless us. If I'll just clean my life up enough, God will notice me. If I'll just get rid of all my bad habits and I don't mess up anymore, then God will take notice of my life. And here's the sad story that you can't get good enough. You do it and you try your best and then temptation comes and then emotions take over and then you mess up again. And then that condemning voice in your mind It keeps you down this vicious cycle of mess up and shame and invisibility until you find yourself on an Easter Sunday morning in a packed church feeling like even God can't see you. Feeling like there's no way that God can get to me. There's just no way. There's no way I can get my life right, good enough. I can't get to where he is. I got good news for you today. Listen close. When you can't come up to his level, God always comes to you. Say amen to that. When you couldn't get your life right enough to get to God, when you couldn't clean up enough to get to God's level, when you feel like I don't deserve it, I'm not worthy enough, and I don't know what to do, you don't have to get to God. God came to you. Jesus sees you right where you are. He is not so high that he can't come low. Say amen to that. Psalms 113 says it like this, that God stoops to look down on heaven and on earth. I didn't put it on the screen, but you need to write it in your notes that God stoops down. God bends down and picks people up where they are. God stoops. We serve a God that is stooped into your mess and reeks down into your problems. He takes the poor, verse 7, He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump and He sets them among 
princes. I love this. We always say it like this. We say, well, you know, I found God in my 20s. You know, I found God when I was in college. Some of y'all didn't find God in college. (laughs) I found God in my 30s. I found the Lord in my 40s. You know, I just came back to God in my 50s. I found God. I chose to follow God. And I know what you mean when you say you found God. But listen, you didn't find God because God wasn't lost. God found us. You didn't choose him. He chose us. You didn't have to make the first move toward God. God made the first move toward you. That's why we don't give up on anybody. That's why you should never stop praying for a co-worker or a lost family member or a prodigal son. Because God stoops down. Be encouraged today. You are not too far gone. You have not done too much. You have not missed your destiny. God is still reaching for people today and Jesus sees you. He sees you right where you are. He knows everything about you. But what about all these people? What about what what are they going to say? I didn't put this on the screen, but write this in your notes. Don't confuse God's people with God. Don't confuse God's people with God. Sometimes God's people reject you and God will accept you. Sometimes you've been hurt by the church or hurt by others or hurt by family or hurt by your father or hurt by a loved one or hurt by a spouse. Don't confuse God's people with God. God still reaches for people. Jesus sees you. The second thing I think she would say if she was here today is Jesus satisfies you. He satisfies you. Jesus meets this woman at a well, this place of thirst. Honestly, we all get thirsty at some point in our life. And I don't mean physical thirst. I mean thirsty for something more, like she's searching for more. She's been married five times, living with someone she's not married to. Maybe you're not searching for relationship love like she is, but maybe there is something you're searching for on Easter. Maybe you're searching for peace. You just think, man, if I could get a little peace. I grew up, I have a little brother. I say a little brother, he's taller than me, whatever. But I have a younger brother and my mama used to say, just the two of us, my mama used to say when we'd get rowdy, oh, I just want a little. Y'all say it. Y'all say it too. Honestly, the older I get, the more I know. Sometimes I just want a little peace. Maybe you're thirsty for value, acceptance, happiness, significance, purpose, hope in your life. The truth is we search for all of these things in all the wrong places and and, and we realize, man, my issues are bad. And she realizes, okay, God, you've never seen somebody as bad as me. Okay, Jesus, I hear what you're saying, but you don't know how deep my problem is. John, the fourth chapter and verse 11, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. And everyone say the next phrase, and the well is. My issues are deep. You don't know me, God. I got deep issues. I appreciate what you're saying right now, preacher, but you don't know my issues. The well's deep. I I appreciate Easter, and I appreciate this story of resurrection and, and new life, but you don't know my stuff's deeper than all of that. The miscarriage, that was deep. The divorce, that cut deep. The, the, the depression that I constantly battle, it's deep. 
the anxiety that's crippling in my life. It's deep. When my dad walked away, that was deep. I appreciate this, Jesus. I th- thank you for all that you're saying, but you don't know. I got a deep well of a ton of issues. I appreciate that you're here. I appreciate this living water talk, but you don't know me. You've never seen a case like mine. You've never seen a deep issue like I've got. Maybe you're in church today feeling like, man, these issues are deep. Why did my family walk away? What about the business I started that failed? The well is deep in my life. Listen, I've heard this story all of my life. I grew up in church. I've been in church all of my life. I'm 42 years old. My first Sunday after being born, I was underneath a little Pentecostal church pew, everybody, you know. That's why nothing scares me at church. I've been doing this all my life. So nothing distracts me or scares me. And, and, and I've heard this story for 40 years of my life. I've heard this story. And I, and I thought, like you may think, well, this woman's got loose morals and look at all the problems she had. And she's been married five times and, and now she's shacked up with somebody she's not married to. I did a little research about this when I knew this was the topic I'd bring you this Easter. And a lot of theologians, as a matter of fact, most conservative historians say how unlikely it is that people in ancient Judea get married twice. I I mean, it was almost unheard of that you had two marriages, let alone five. I I mean, a man could leave his wife for any reason. He could give her a certificate of divorce, and when he did, it was like saying she's not worth it, she didn't do something. I mean, he could leave over anything. If he didn't like what she cooked, brother could walk out. Don't do do that. I'm... (laughs) This is not a marriage series, but let me help you on this. Do not do that. He could leave for anything. He could leave because he didn't like. He could leave because they had no kids. He could leave. Just pick somebody else. She's damaged. She's not worth it. And nobody, almost nobody would marry her again. But she's been married five times. So I started reading. Why? How in this culture that values women so little, people could, men could just sleep with her. They didn't have to marry her. Why was she married five times? Does she really had all of these moral issues? Because most theologians and historians believe she didn't have a ton of issues. She actually was probably a woman of great character and she probably was beautiful and they took the chance to marry her again it's much more likely they would justify marrying her because they would take the risk that she's worth it and we can't prove this but a lot of theologians agree that she wasn't loose morals she was probably infertile she probably couldn't have children and men would marry her discover it and leave her. Marry her, discover it, and leave her. Look at me. The well is deep. You may come to church today in a crowd this size. I recognize the well is deep. There are people with trauma and issues from your past and struggles that nobody knows about and things that you would never tell anybody. And you go to the well, listen, in the middle of the day just so you don't have to interact with other people. And Jesus says, I've got water that will satisfy you. Verse 14 of John 4 says, Whoever drinks the water I give, Jesus says them, will never thirst again. Imagine meeting a man who finally satisfies the deep issues of your life. He sees you right where you are. Jesus satisfies you. Number three, I think if you sat down with her today and said, 
Tell me about meeting Jesus. Tell me about this resurrected Christ. Tell me what it's like to sit across a table and ask him about your life. Tell me about what he would say. I think she'd say, it's amazing. Jesus saw me right where I was. He didn't look past me. I felt like he was interested in me. He saw me where I was. The second thing is, Jesus said he could satisfy the deepest thirst of my soul. And number three, Jesus invites you. I think she'd say, He invited me into his family. As a matter of fact, he asked me to invite everybody else into his family. John 4 and verse 28 says, Then leaving her water jar, you saw that, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, verse 29, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way to Jesus. I love this message. Look at me. I love this message because it wasn't come and change your life. The message wasn't come and join a church. The message wasn't come, we're starting a new religion. The message wasn't come and confess everything and make sure you clean up. The message was simple. Just come and see Jesus. I just want to invite you to come and see Jesus because it's Jesus who saw me when nobody else saw me. It's Jesus who took a chance to talk to me a Samaritan when Jewish men wouldn't even look in my direction. It's Jesus who said he could satisfy my deepest soul. It's an invitation not to join the church. And Easter Sunday, listen, is not an invitation to join Christianity. It's an invitation to Jesus. It's that Jesus sees you. It's that in a crowd like this, when you feel invisible and unseen and unwanted and unlovable, that there's a man who knows everything about you and sees you still. That there's a man who says he can satisfy the deepest issues of, I know the well's deep, but he can satisfy the deepest issues of your life. And Easter is an invitation. It's a celebration of the resurrection. Oh, you bet it is. But more than that, it's an invitation to come to Jesus and have a resurrection for yourself. It's to bring all your deep issues your depression, your past, your hurt, your religious upbringing, your invisibility. And it's to come not to this church. I'm I'm so glad you came today. I'd love to see you again next week. I can't wait to teach next week already. (laughs) I know what story we're doing. It's better than this one. It's not an invitation to next week. It's an invitation to Jesus. Today, on Easter Sunday, I want to invite you into that relationship with the only one who really sees you for who you are. Who can only, the only one who can really satisfy everything that you've been searching for. Romans 8 and 11 in the message paraphrase says it like this It stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead, that's Easter. 
If that same God moves into your life, then He'll do the same thing in you that He did in Jesus. And He brings you alive. When God lives and breathes in you, and He does, as surely as He raised Christ from the dead, you are delivered from that dead life. Listen to me. The story of Easter, the story of this woman at the well, is not the story of bad people getting better. The story of Easter and the story of the woman at the well is of dead people coming alive. That what's dead in your life, that the dreams and the hopes and the hurts and the pain of your life can find resurrection in Jesus. And maybe that's what Jesus wants to do for you. It's what He did for the woman at the well. Maybe you're gathered around your own well today. Maybe you're already discounting the message because you've gathered around your own troubles. Oh yeah, but you don't know. Oh yeah, if you really knew me. Oh yeah, this well's deep. I got issues nobody knows about. Come to Jesus. Oh yeah, well, I've heard this before. That's why I only come to church on Easter. Come to Jesus. Oh yeah, I've heard this message before. I've seen that story before. But you don't know what I've done. You don't know how bad it's been. Come to Jesus. The invitation is for the whole town, he said, to come. and see John 4, 42. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe. Not just because of what the preacher said on Easter. I don't want you to believe today because I told you so. I want you to believe today because we've heard him ourselves, And we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Bow your heads and close your eyes all over church. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to do what only you can do and touch hearts and lives of broken people, hurting people, confused, lost, away from God, struggling deep issues nobody's looking around right now matter of fact our whole team our eyes are closed it's between you and God in this moment this is a holy moment just between you and the Lord this is just you and Jesus sitting around your own well and if it's for you would you just slide your hand up and say it's for me hands up all over the house keep your hand up just so God can see not for me God bless you in the back. God bless you. God bless you. Couples have their hand up. It's for us. I just got issues. I got deep issues. I brought stuff to the well today that nobody knows about. God bless you. I see you. So God, with my hand raised, I just want you to know I'm coming to Jesus today. I just want you to know I'm not giving church another chance. I'm going to give Jesus a chance to change my life. I'm not going to give religion a chance again. I'm going to give Jesus a chance in my life. I'm going to give you a chance to change me, make me brand new, to see me right where I am. Issues, scars, mess-ups, pain, past, hurt. That you'll satisfy my deepest well. And that you're inviting me into your family. In Jesus' name. Now open your eyes. I'm going to ask you to take an actual practical step towards Jesus today. I think sometimes in moments like this, there's this emotion of the moment and you think, yeah, I want that. You don't do anything with it. 
On Easter Sunday, it's so one Sunday a year. I'm not going to let you off the hook. I want you to do something with it. On the back of your Easter survey, this part right here that says Easter survey on the top, on the bottom, there's four blanks, A, B, C, and D. We've done this every single Easter. We always will. I want everybody in the building, if you're brand new today, if you're here for the first time, somebody brought you to church, or if you've been coming here for years and this is your home, everybody fills out an Easter survey every single Easter. And there's four options. Take a look at the screen and don't choose yet because we're going to pray. A is, Pastor, I'm already in a life-giving relationship with Jesus, but I need more. I'm already in a life-giving relationship. Now listen, you got to be honest with yourself. If you're in a cold, dead, disconnected, unvibrant, that, that's not what I'm asking. I want to know, I'm in a life-giving, like it's vibrant, my relationship with Christ. If that's you, A's for you. B is, today, I want to begin that kind of relationship. I, I, I don't know that I've ever really given Jesus my whole life. And so I think Easter is the best time for me to do it. I want to begin a real relationship with Jesus today. I'm praying for you. In the first service, there were tons of people who said yes to the. I'm praying that in this service, there are people who say, I'm starting today. I'm, I'm starting today. Or maybe C. Where's all my C students in school? Where y'all at? Oh, yeah. You run the world. We run the world, my people. Maybe, look at me. Maybe you say, I was a Christian. Honestly, I just kind of went my own way. and I'm not in a relationship with God like I know I should be. I'm disconnected, uncommitted. I want to re-give my life to Christ today. I want to recommit my life to Christ today, if that's you. And then D, every year we have at least one who says, you know what? Somebody invited me today, and I appreciate all this, but I don't know. I'm not ready to make that decision at this point, so pray for me. By the way, we do every year. And almost every year, I meet somebody who says, hey, a couple of years ago, I was a D. Now I'm a B. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I, I said, quit bothering me. And now God's got a hold of my heart. And if that's you, just be honest. Just say, you know what? I'm not ready yet. And we're praying for you. All right, are you ready? Make your selection. I want to start today. I want to start over today. I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to rededicate my life to Christ today. You know what? I'm already in a life-giving relationship with God, but I want more. Now listen, make your selection. Put your pen down. Look him in the eyes. If you selected B or C, this next prayer is for you. And I can't pray it for you, but I can pray it along with you. As a matter of fact, our whole church family is going to pray it along with you. So bow your heads and close your eyes. Every voice lifted to God from the depths of your soul say, Dear Jesus, thank you for the cross. I believe you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. Now listen, keep your head bowed. This is the part that's between you and the Lord. From the depths of your soul say, Forgive me of my sins. I repent. My past, my hurts, my mess, my mistakes, my deep issues. I give them to you. Forgive me today. Make me brand new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give you my whole life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout a big amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Do you receive?
the word of the Lord over your life today. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.